Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode number 23. We have three stories to get to, all coming from the week of May 22nd. Here are the headlines. School choice results in a state of emergency in North Carolina. A gender support plan was snuck in behind the curtain in order to become public school policy, and parents are told that their kids belong to everyone, that their rights end at the school doors. And then they're told to shut up because they're incompetent. Yikes. Story number one comes from South Madison School Corporation in Pendleton, Indiana. They adopted a quote-unquote gender support plan in 2021. And that plan required all staff members, including counselors, to use a student's preferred name and preferred pronoun, regardless of their biological sex. The policy was adopted without community or parental input, and it was passed without first being presented at a school board meeting. That's what I mean when I say behind the curtain, snuck in behind the curtain. The gender support plan required staff to document when a student started using a different name or pronoun. And then staff required students to complete a form that asked if they had told their parents yet and if their parents were supportive. Nowhere in the policy did it state that school employees were required to notify parents or gain parental consent before they changed the student's name or pronoun. On the other hand, the school said they've never withheld the plan from parents. That's what they said. We've never withheld the plan from parents and that parents can access a copy of this form anytime they want. So this is very deceptive. They're taking the posture of being you know, transparent and honest. But remember what I said, this policy was passed without even being presented to a school board meeting, without community or parent involvement. All right. They never told parents about it. They never presented it to the community, never even posted it on the district website. So how are parents even supposed to know about it, about this gender support plan? How are they supposed to know? You know, it's a secret plan. Yeah, the school never, quote unquote, withheld it because no one ever asked for it. Nobody knew to ask for it. Well, there was one person who knew about it. Kathy McCord, who was a school employee for over 35 years. And when she refused to use preferred pronouns and refused to deceive parents, she was fired. Kathy refused to comply with the policy because it violated her religious beliefs and it was forcing or compelling her speech. Well, Kathy is now suing the school corporation and is being represented by the Alliance for Defending Freedom. So again, I just want to point out the ways that these policies and practices can be snuck into schools without parents knowing about it. I do this to try to help. First of all, this is one sneaky way. The policy was adopted without community or parental input. Number two, 
It was not presented at a school board meeting. Number three, it did not require parental consent. Number four, it didn't even require parental notification. Number five, but the school says, hey, we never withheld the policy. We never refused access, but that's only because no one ever knew about it. So these are like the methods of deceit that you guys can keep your eyes out for. So parents, how can you stay on top of something like this? If it's not presented at a school board meeting, it's not posted on the school's website, and school staff, they're not required to tell you about it, how can you be aware of what's really going on? So I think the best thing you can do as a parent is to ask specific questions. For example, you could ask, do any schools in our school system use any sort of gender support plan, any sort of transition plan or parental secrecy plan? And if so, I want access to those documents. If the school does not use those policies, then there will be no documents to access. But if a school does use those policies, an official request should provide access to whatever forms and whatever documents they're using behind your back. Story number two, school choice is set to be passed in the state of North Carolina. So how did Democrat Governor Roy Cooper respond to this news? He declared a state of emergency. Now, it's not clear what this will actually look like or accomplish, but it is clear that he wants schools to remain in the hands of state and federal government and not in the hands of parents. Governor Cooper said that school choice and those who support it will, quote, choke the life out of public education, end quote. So think of what he's actually saying. That if parents can choose where and how to educate their children, that that will, quote unquote, choke the life out of public education. He's assuming that if given the chance, people will leave public schools. But why would he assume that? Why wouldn't he assume that everyone would want to stay? If public education is doing so great, then wouldn't people be lining up to spend their money on public education? Well, his response shows that he knows public schools are not as successful as private schools or homeschools. Now, it's irrefutable that homeschoolers outperform their private school and public school peers in virtually every metric. No contest. Now, I don't advocate for school choice being used for homeschooling because the shackles always follow the shekels, meaning government strings and oversight will no doubt follow any tax dollars or government allocated funds. But I do think school choice is the lesser of two evils because it at least gives parents a bit of a choice. Story number three, for this next story, I'm gonna give four examples of how some teachers, politicians, and leaders in public education think that they are more important than parents. And all of these examples come from this last week. So example number one, White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, voiced her support for the right to brainwash children with the trans ideology. Now, Regarding states that are banning puberty blockers and sex change surgeries for children, she stated, quote, that's something we have to call out and continue to be very clear about. 
These are kids. These are our kids. They belong to all of us. End quote. That's what the White House press secretary said. Speaking on behalf of the president on a daily basis, she said, these are our kids. They belong to all of us. So parents, let me ask you, if someone challenges you and says that your kids now belong to them, what would your reaction be? How would you feel about that? Example number two, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona tweeted, quote, teachers know what is best for their kids because they are with them every day. We must trust teachers, end quote. Again, the words, their kids, trust teachers. You know, I rarely hear anyone in education or any representative saying that we need to trust parents. Why is that? Why do we trust teachers, but we never hear or we never say trust the parents? So here is the highest ranking educator in the country, Secretary of Education, saying that kids belong to the teachers and we should trust the teachers to the point of excluding parents. Example number three, a fifth grade teacher in Florida wants to teach LGBTQ lessons in school. Despite the fact that many parents want to reserve that right and teach their own children about those issues. Well, the teacher responded in an interview with CNN saying, quote, what these parents are missing is that they're not in the school system. These conversations telling me that I'm stripping her rights as a parent, those rights are gone when your child is in the public school system. Let me say that again. This is the teacher's quote. She said about parents, those rights are gone when your child is in the public school system because there are students talking about these things, end quote. So parents, that would be a great question to ask at the next school board meeting or meet your teacher night, even better. Ask them, who do my children belong to, me or you? Then ask them, do I have parental rights? Where, in your opinion, do my parental rights end? Then you could finish with, who is more important to my child, me or you? Finally, example four, a Democrat state representative in New Hampshire told a parent to shut up when he was asked by that parent to support a parent's rights bill in the state. The bill, which was defeated, would have allowed parents to view curriculum, to be notified if their child requested a pronoun change in school, and to be notified if school staff are affirming their child's request to use a different pronoun. The state representative's response again was, quote, do you know why children's results tanked during COVID? Their parents were incompetent teachers. Do your children a favor, let the teachers teach and shut up. You're clearly no professional, end quote. That came from a state representative in New Hampshire. So not only does this state representative tell his constituents, the very people he's supposed to be representing and speaking for, he tells them to shut up. But he doesn't stop there. He also blames them. He blames the parents for learning losses during COVID, calling them incompetent. He totally blames parents when the entire blame rests on federal and state authorities who 
abuse their power, and shut down schools. Those are the people to blame. Which is exactly why the government needs to be kept out of education entirely. Also, this guy says that parents are to blame for learning loss because they're incompetent teachers. Think about this. If parents are to blame because they're incompetent, then how does he explain the indisputable fact that homeschoolers, when compared to their private school and public school peers, homeschoolers, almost always taught by parents, homeschoolers consistently receive the highest scores and best results, while public schoolers receive the lowest scores and worst results. And that's always been the case. And this is the guy voting on parents' rights and education? Good luck with that, parents. Again, all of these statements, these four examples that I just gave, came within the span of one week. And those are just the ones that made the headlines. So imagine what's being said across the country, from teachers to administrators, state reps to school board members. If they carry this mindset out over the course of a year, five years, a decade, what will that look like? What happens when parents are continually disrespected and shut out? Well, history tells us what happens. As I discussed in episode 16 of this podcast, which was called Dangerous Parallels, I also discussed this topic in chapter 8 of my book, which I think is the most important chapter in my book. History shows us that when parents are undermined by the government, like they were in communist China under Mao, and political ideologies are wedged between parents and children, like they were in Nazi Germany under Hitler, what happens is the family unit is broken down, fractured, and destroyed. Society, if not already there, does a deep dive into socialism, communism, or totalitarianism, like in North Korea. You may think I'm exaggerating, off base, or wrong, but it's the people who downplay this stuff and minimize it. Those people are in the wrong here. Throughout the course of human history, has there ever been a time when the people telling parents to shut up were the good guys? When strangers say that parents have no rights? And that their kids are now my kids? Since when is that the moral or noble position to take? I saw this play out in Chicago public schools when I was told not to tell parents if their child was using different names or pronouns in school. I was told to affirm that child no matter what. Even if they believed they were born in the wrong body. And I was to keep this information from their parents. To be fair, I never experienced anything like this in my previous schools, to their credit. And to be honest, I don't think the teachers and leaders in my former schools would have stood for it. There are still and will always be moral and trustworthy teachers, but the problem is not so much with individual teachers, but with the entire public education system itself. It's become completely politicized and void of any traditional values. It certainly has no biblical values. The reason I talk about this stuff is not to shame teachers or those in public education, but the reason is to shine a light on these issues and provide information. And of course, I do this from my perspective based on my personal experiences. But hopefully, it helps teachers and parents with kids in public schools to be prepared and make informed decisions. There are other options out there. All right, we have some fast facts, stories I wanted to cover but didn't have a lot of time. First of all, 
A family in Mississippi is suing their son's high school because the school won't allow the boy to wear a dress during the graduation ceremony. The school's dress code, which was signed and agreed upon by the family, requires biological boys to wear pants, a button-up shirt, and a tie to graduation, while girls must wear a white dress. The boy has been listed as a biological male on all official documents throughout high school, but is affirmed by his family as being a girl. So this is a situation where the family is trying to force the entire school to adopt their own gender ideology and delusion. If they don't want to follow the dress code, then they shouldn't have agreed to it. Live and learn. Next, a high schooler from Sonoma Academy in California, who happens to be a biological male, competed in the girls' track and field sectional. You can probably guess what happened, but the boy placed second in the 1,600-meter race and advanced to the state championship. Only the top three finishers advanced, which means the girl who finished in fourth place was robbed of a chance to compete at the state championships. All because, as a whole, we refuse to stand by truth. And the truth is that a boy is a boy and cannot be a girl. No matter the person's feelings or emotions on the issue. One mother did speak out against schools allowing boys to compete against girls, but she remained anonymous for fear of retaliation. She says that many parents, teachers, and students are afraid to speak out because it will be labeled as bullying. She explained that students are faking support and celebrating trans athletes because even their body language could be interpreted as discriminatory. Next up, in Texas, Senate Bill 1515 failed to pass. This bill would have required the Ten Commandments to be displayed in classrooms. It did pass the Senate with a majority Republican support, but it failed to meet the voting deadline this week and is now dead. Senator Phil King introduced the bill and said, quote, I think this would be a good, healthy step for Texas to bring back this tradition of recognizing America's religious heritage, end quote. And finally, on a good note, I recently learned of a Christian classical school called Clapham School. C-L-A-P-H-A-M, Clapham School. This is a K-12 school located in Wheaton, Illinois, about an hour west of Chicago. I'm interested in this school because it combines the two things that I think our entire education system here in America should adopt. Christian and classical. The school is undoubtedly Christian in their beliefs and classical in their methods and materials. In fact, if you live close to Wheaton, Clapham students will be performing Shakespeare's Macbeth tonight and tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, at the College Church Commons. This is something they do every year, so if you live close enough, go support them. Tickets are $10 and it's first come, first serve. I'll put the link in this episode's description if you want more info. So I wanted to end this episode by highlighting something positive that's happening and show what's possible in education. Anyway, that's the state of state schools. Thanks, everybody.